Hey there, and welcome back to The Pickle Jar. This is Jill, your host, and thank you so much for joining me for another episode. So just a reminder, if you choose to, you can go to my YouTube channel and you can actually watch these episodes. So I will post the link in the show notes for you if you would like to do that. And I would so appreciate any comments that you can leave on the YouTube channel um, to help other people find the podcast, to help people, you know, find, you know, maybe what you got out of each podcast or any ideas that you have, you can post them um, in the comments. I would really appreciate it. So in today's episode, I'm going to read to you a story that I wrote almost a year ago. Um, this little voice inside of me one day told me to write a story about having a chronic illness. So, you know, whether, I don't know if you want to call it the universe or what it was, um, just told me to go and write it. So I thought, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to go write a story about having a chronic illness. And I called it the Dick and Jane of living with a chronic illness. So I'm going to read it to you today. And I hope, I hope, I think that some of my story is going to resonate with, um, with a lot of you. So, um, so here we go. The Dick and Jane of living with a chronic illness. My name is Jill and I have Addison's disease. I'm going to take you on my journey of the Dick and Jane of living with a chronic illness, a journey of fear, a journey of hope, a journey of resilience, a journey that I hope inspires you to be less of a dick. Addison's disease is a rare autoimmune disease. My body no longer produces life-sustaining hormones from the adrenal glands, meaning cortisol and aldosterone. Without these hormones, the systems of my body cannot be regulated. Without intervention, I will die. Every day of my life is now fragile and dependent on replacement medication. Every day I'm at risk of a life-threatening adrenal crisis. I was diagnosed at 35. Family history, paternal grandfather, type 1 diabetic. Father, primary Addison's disease. Father's cousin, primary Addison's disease. Mother's cousin, primary Addison's disease. I was diagnosed with a rare chronic life-threatening illness that is supposedly not hereditary and occurs in approximately 10 in 1 million. As you can see, I was already in an autoimmune snowstorm of dicks. My current treatment is a continuous infusion pump used to treat insulin-dependent diabetics. And instead of insulin, we pump hydrocortisone into my body 24 hours a day, seven days a week. A series of events that led to unconventional off-label treatment of a rare illness. It changed my life. That is a point for the James. Picture it, Hamilton, 2011. A few weeks following an ACTH stimulation test. Terrified mother of three, desperate for answers. Endocrinologist sluggishly enters room, slouches in chair, prescription in hand. Casually rambles about how to manage life with Addison's disease. Hands me a prescription. I sarcastically request that perhaps he should discuss my test results prior to telling me how to manage a disease I wasn't officially diagnosed with. Dick point for the doctor, dick point for Jill. Picture it, Hamilton, 2011, 10 minutes later. Yes, you have Addison's disease. Take your meds. Don't forget. You'll be fine now. See you in six months. That counts as triple dick points on the Scrabble board for the medical community. Please wait for the ride to come to a complete stop. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Your engine light is on and it indicates you are near death and your life is completely turned upside down. Your time here on earth will never be the same. Sorry, there is no treasure box on the way out, only a swift kick in the ass. I felt abandoned. The in and out 
time of diagnosis was almost as fast as a Tim Hortons drive through and I did not receive a box, a chocolate box of Timbits. I was pulled from the fire of death, but my body was not extinguished. I was left to smother and suffer. Success, success is already measured by me having a heartbeat, not by me living. Soon I, I, was, I found myself in a rainforest with one gorilla, a big, beautiful, gentle creature we will call Jane. Jane is my family doctor who had up to my diagnosis had no knowledge of my existence. He came in beating his chest, summering his friends who were also named Jane and gently took me in his hand into, into the hand, into, took my hand into the leathery palm of the healthcare system. He loaded me on the magic school bus with Miss Frizzle and together they guided and educated me on my disease, allowing me to evolve from empowered from ill to empowered, from patient to expert, from helpless to hopeful. In the last 10 years, there's been questions with no answers, side effects, placebo effects, mental effects, fear, joy, reassurance, and disappointments. The list is long and complex. I am chronically ill and it's my responsibility to understand how to manage my health. Why? Because I am more than a body. I am more than a heartbeat. I am more than my illness. I am more. Back to the dicks and Janes. There are dicks everywhere in life. Every culture, every profession, the world is full of dicks. And there are also forests full of Janes. Janes who come in with one look in their eyes that can touch your souls. Janes sprinkle pixie dust and teach you how to fly on your own with your happy thoughts. Are you a dick or a Jane? Most of us are Janes who act like dicks sometimes. In those first tender moments of being diagnosed with a chronic illness, I was standing at the pearly gates of the healthcare system, ready for the archangels to heal, of healing to arrive and spread their wings. But instead, I got slapped in the face with a big dick. I wasn't even allowed on the pre-guided safari venture through the forest of Janes. Instead, I was let loose in Jurassic Park after the power failure and the gates were opened. My body was kept alive, but my soul was being eaten by the T-Rex. I was fed after midnight and quickly spawned into an unrecognizable, aggressive little beast with a spiky bat. But somehow I was expected to have the energy to laugh and smile again, to have the energy to clean my house and watch my children grow. I was expected to have the energy to live a normal life, but instead I was drowning in a pile of dicks and no one knew. My life had been saved. Isn't that enough? I should be grateful for being alive and not having any expectations for living. But I remembered, I remembered who I was. I remembered what was stolen from me. I remembered, I remembered myself and I expected more. The person that I was pre-diagnosed was forgotten in a fiery ring of medical chaos. I was a ghost of who I was, an empty shell. My body was treated, but my soul and my life were discarded. I was left with no energy to call for help. My soul was weeping uncontrollably. I was still dying, but nobody was listening. I went through several different stages of being diagnosed with a chronic illness. First, it was elation. I was relieved. I, I wasn't going crazy. My symptoms were real and acknowledged. I was hopeful for treatment and having my health and quality of life return. Then there was shock and denial. Reality started to take over as I started being piled on by a bunch of dicks. And then I was ex accept, expected to accept my illness. Yes, acceptance. 
The message was clear. I have a chronic incurable illness and my standards should not be high. Accept it and move on. Accept it, move on. Just like death and grief, time heals, right? My first husband died at 26. I was 24. We were married nine months and five days. I was eight weeks pregnant with our son. Time doesn't heal. Time taught me to hide my pain in a box. I locked that soul-wrenching grief in a box, locked it up tight. I lived on. But I carry that box of grief every day. And some days that box is open and I'm flooded with that pain. It is still the same. It did not change. Time did not heal. Those dicks lied to me. Bob, I choose what's behind curtain number one. And I want another box. Curtain number two must have had the trip to Hawaii, but I go home with another box. This is my chronic illness box. This box is different than my box of grief. This box, in this box, there's a little girl. Her daddy called her Alice when she was little. She loved butterflies and baseball and boat rides. Her dogs were, names were Scott, Champagne, and Mindy. She liked to skip and run everywhere, hated spinach. Love girl guy cookies, but only the vanilla ones. She loved swimming, playing with her cousins, and watching her grandparents play the guitar. She had dreams. Her dreams were, her biggest dream is one day to have enough money to buy her dad a boat. She simply dreams of a happy life. But now she lives in that box. And now on top of that box, there's a bunch of dicks. Every now and then that little girl gets feisty and kicks open that box. She yells as loud as she can. I'm still here. Please, please don't forget about me. Please. Please don't give up. I hear her before the docks, the dicks slam that box shut again. But often I feel her warm glow from the box. Sometimes just a split second, but I know it's her. She still exists. I feel her smile, her warmth, her light. And she's gone, forgotten by the world, but not by me. I remember her. I remember me. If you accept your new existence of life with a chronic illness, you are led to pasture and left for your soul to slowly rot. Too tired to fight. No one can hear the voice inside the box. I would look into my children's eyes, those six amazing eyes. I think when I die, is this what I want them to remember? A shell of who I am? Do I, do I let them slowly watch my soul starve and die? Not a chance. Alice found her way to Wonderland, and I will find my way too. Time to shed the dicks and any fungus growing around them. But there are so many dicks, all different shapes and sizes. The Janes are hard to find. She feels all alone. She slowly gets rid of the dicks one by one. And when she does, she finds Janes under the dicks. The Janes can help her. The girl in the box. The girl in the box is saved by the bell. And the Janes are the head of the class. The Janes invite their friends and they start helping the girl in the box. The Janes can hear the little girl in the box. They can hear her singing now. She sings, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. They believe in her more than she believes in herself. The little girl's voice is getting louder and louder in that box. Others start to hear. They sing with her now. She, she hears them singing. It helps her sing louder. Her light shines brighter. It keeps her warm and safe. She now has hope she is getting out of her box. I will admit, I was a dick at times. We were all dicks at some point. We are scared, alone, chronically ill, and covered in zip dicks. How would you feel? How would you act? Your expectations level is set at dick status. 
you feel like you are on the bus driver or the Oscar Mayer Wiener mobile. Now there are also ivy poles we lean on, our caregivers. They are our friends and our family. They become our chauffeurs, our delivery systems, our psychologists. They get loaded on with many different bags of fluid. We grip on them for dear life as we slowly shuffle down the green mile. Those poles are made out of steel, but they too are human and are trying to navigate in a tropical storm of dicks. I didn't have a big IV pole. I had three little poles with six amazing eyes. It wasn't fair for what those poles needed to carry, but they rolled beside me. Giggling with every bump, running ahead of me, leading the way. Shining a light on the darkest days. I didn't have a big eye V pole, only those three little poles with six amazing eyes. So everything from here on in is pure speculation. Ivy poles are grieving the loss of the person they once knew. They watch them slowly die. Only to have them rescued. Only to have them saved, but not rescued. They are angry, scared, tired, confused, helpless, and feel underappreciated. No one truly understands the weight of the dicks that they carry on their IV poles. They are trying to rescue the little girl in the box, but they are not even sure if she exists anymore. They are the monkey in the middle trying to grab the dicks being thrown over the heads at the girl in the box, but the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile keeps running them over and over again. The dicks have stolen their souls. They have flares and flags and signs, but they are written in dick language. They can't get to her, but they keep calling. She, hear, she hears you. Her heart hears you. You must keep calling to her. She needs to hear you. There are also Jedi's minions and doozers from Fraggle Rock that every day deal with the boxes and IV poles. And it's a continuous, thing, a continuous revolving door. It is groundhog day of the healthcare system. The Jedi's minions and doozers come in to this profession to be Janes. Xena, Warrior Apprentice, says He-Man, Hulk Hogan, Wonder Woman, Magnum, P.I., Charlie's Angels, even the next Hawkeye. But then they too are swept by a landslide of dicks. They are angry, scared, tired, confused, overworked, and feel underappreciated. The dicks have stolen their souls. They deal with dick patients who don't follow orders, depend on Google, and expect them to be the fairy godmother from Shrek and be their hero. The box, the poles, the Jedis, the minions, the doozers, we're all together spinning inside the twister in the Wizard of Oz. But, but it hasn't taken that box over the rainbow. Instead, it is violently spin, spinning her with no hope of learning she has the ability all along to go home. But I ask you, can we take that girl in the box to Oz? She is scared and alone, but she is spunky and braver than you can ever imagine. Let's Helen Hunter into the eye of that twister and send her to Oz. Chase that storm. Take a chance. Take a chance for her. She deserves it. Those little ivy poles with six amazing eyes deserve it. Her box is hurtled from the twister into Oz. She lands on the wicked witch of the east and her box opens. She's fragile and weak and timid, but the ruby red slippers make her feel like Alice again. She's The warmth of the sun is on her face and it allows her strength to begin to return. She knows one day she will dance and skip again, but first she needs to learn to walk. Where do you start? Why you start at the beginning? You follow the yellow brick road. You follow the yellow brick road. One step at a time, she starts a new journey. 
alone. Something in her tells her to have faith and follow the yellow brick road. The land of Oz is a new world, colorful and bright. She doesn't know that the little ivy poles, her Janes, Jedi's minions and doozers are all along the, the yellow brick road to protect her from the wicked witch, the flying monkeys, and save her from the deceiving field of poppies. They will line the road with <laughs> they will line the road like care bears, ready for the care bear countdown to make sure she re arrives in Oz safely. In time she arrives in time she arrives in Oz, that little girl in the box, the girl who was once labeled by her illness and sent out to pasture. She has learned the truth about herself and the world. She is more than her illness. She now realizes the power all along was in her, inside that box. She needed boundaries around the dicks. Dicks do not like boundaries or brave little girls in boxes. It is now the time the, the she clicks her heels and goes home. But before she goes, she remembers. She remembers being 11, a hot summer day, championship baseball game. She's playing shortstop, a pair of white sunglasses, a bright yellow jersey. One out needed for the win. That moment, that moment she felt so alive, so free, so happy. She runs full speed into the arms of the coach, jumps, wraps her legs around him. She can feel how hard she squeezed him full of life and excitement. She can still feel all the love he had for her, all in just one moment. It was the best daddy-daughter moment of her life. She then realizes that love was the light that kept her warm and alive in that box. That was the light she carried in her heart that never went out, and that light will burn and keep her safe for the rest of her life. Those six little ivy poles with amazing eyes are now growing. They will always pull. They will always pull an ivy pole, but now their poles run smoother and have less bags. We are no longer walking down the green mile. The bags that hang off their poles now glow with hope and inspiration. They will always have a mom with a chronic illness, but now they have her, not the disease. Whether you have an illness or not, whether you are an ivy pole or a Jedi, a minion or a doozer, you have a choice. You can drown in a sea of dicks or become your own Jane. We all have a box inside of us. Find your power in your box. It's time to find your way out. Real changes come from unconventional means, not medication, not treatment, not scans or tests. Real change comes from kindness, compassion, soft touch, a kind word. Minute things that together make you feel like you have the fast pass at Disney. Minute things like the little girl jumping into her daddy's arms. Start by being unconventional to yourself. Be kind and loving. Be your own IV pole. Be your own Jane. Be your own Jedi. Be your own minion and doozer. And then the real transformation will occur. And then together we can play a game in the field of dreams. Now she knows it is time. The little girl, who no longer lives in a box, closes her eyes and clicks her heels and sings, This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Thank you so much, my pickles, for being part of my Janes and being in the jar with me. I appreciate you so much. And until next time, please be well, my pickles. <laughs>